What's good, LL Nation, the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am your guy, Sean Davis at SD2 Mics, the original Lucky Lefty himself, that dude right there, Malik Zaire, overtime Malik. This is The Slant, and we're going to be giving you positional matchups for the Fiesta Bowl starting tonight, and then we have a big announcement coming up at the end of the show. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about the quarterback matchup uh, between Spencer Sanders and Jack Cohn and Tyler Buckner and how he plays or how he figures in the Fiesta Bowl. We're also going to talk about the ESPN positional rankings that came out from their draft guys today and how they might impact Notre Dame players going to the draft and coming back. Then we're going to tease a new episode of The Cutting Room Floor. Malik has a new offer that went out to a 2022 safety last wide receiver. Very intriguing young man, just received an offer. So we'll get Malik's take or he'll tease. And that, that video will drop tomorrow morning around 8 a.m. Eastern time on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. Well, of course, we'll take some of your questions. And then we'll end it up talking about the big recruiting weekend or the big recruiting week that will lead to the big recruiting weekend in South Bend based upon the rule that allows new coaches to have in-home visits and also allows commits and recruits to have a second visit, official visit. Notre Dame is taking advantage of that, not only bringing their commits in for one more official visit, but they're also bringing guys on campus that they're trying to get in the fold, like Chaparral's own defensive lineman, Anthony Lucas. They put on the full court press today to try to get him to take an official visit. It's going to be very important that he comes to campus if Notre Dame is looking to get him in the fold in the class of 2022. So let's go ahead with our first matchup in the Fiesta Bowl. We're dealing with the quarterbacks. And first of all, Let's talk about Jack Cohn and Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders threw for 2,461 yards, 16 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He did miss the opener, so he didn't start the opener, but he came back for week two, and that's pretty much what he's done. Lately, he's had problems with turnovers. When you go back to Bedlam and you go to the Big 12 championship game against Baylor, turnovers have been a problem for Spencer Sanders. In reverse, Jack Cohn struggled with turnovers early in the season. Uh, 2,600 yards for, for Jack Cohn. 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. The turnovers were a problem early. But you can really say after the Virginia Tech game, Jack Cohn did a lot to solidify himself as the leader of that offense. And you saw the Jack Cohn that most Notre Dame fans thought that they would get when he transferred in from Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely the what we got Jack Cohen for, for towards the end of the season, and that was just to be able to use his veteran leadership to guide the boat into the dock. And for him to be able to have that that getting better process, he, he didn't revert to the beginning of the season, Jack. And that's something that you'll get with more veteran players. They get better because they understand how the season goes. Younger players obviously haven't had that experience, so as a starter – and a guy that's been through a lot, Jack Cohn's primed to be able to take on this team, especially going through the changes that it is. Um, and, a, and, you know, for this game, a guy like Spencer Sanders, he's put on tape the, the ability to struggle with pressure and also having some different looks, which is key for Marcus Freeman to see that, especially going against the Baylor defense, who probably runs some of the similar schemes. They, see, they show some three down front. They mix and match some coverages. Their guys fly around. So it'll be a lot of what Spencer, Spencer Sanders sees in this matchup. Plus, we have better athletes, and I think we play a little better together. Um, so it's going to present a possibility of having some turnovers for that, that young secondary that we know in those 15 practices. We're looking to really take some step ups because they, we want them to be ready for next year. So for real, I do believe that um, – this matchup on the quarterback side is one on the Notre Dame side. I think Jack is, is not going to get too high or too low. We knew that from the first game at Florida State in a tough environment. 
he was able to survive the the storm, you know, and that went down to the wire. But his calm, cool, collectedness in a game like this, I don't think would change. If anything, I think he'll ride the momentum of how the defense will play. I think we'll get some turnovers, and he'll be able to punch it in early. I do think, however, because he's not the most talented quarterback ever, and to give respect to the Oklahoma State defense, they'll show us some stuff early that'll make that'll get us a little worried. But the best thing about Jack is he gets greater later, and that he'll he'll stick through it and keep us close in the beginning, and hopefully come out and finish strong at the end. Yeah, this, you know, you know, on a heavyweight fight, the fighters come out and they try to fill each other out. When you have two defenses like, you know, Oklahoma State and Notre Dame are going to be sporting in a Fiesta Bowl, you look you look for the early body blows, right? Just trying to see where the weakness is. And then once somebody opens up the scoring, the floodgates more than likely open up until somebody truly seizes control of the game. How do you see Tyler Buckner fitting into this game? A lot of people say let Jack Cone roll. And don't really mess around with trying to get plays or series to Tyler Buckner. Does he have a role in this game? Well, because Coach Kelly isn't there, I don't think they'll be forcing the two quarterback system as much. Mm-hmm. I think that's more of a Kelly design or something he wanted. I do think Tommy will be in more control of how that operates. I don't think we'll see it as much, but if you want to keep trend on what we've been doing this season, if he does go in, I, I will hope it isn't in a a uh, tumultuous part of the game like how they used to do me and just throw me in there to see if I can just make a play or mix it up or make it happen. Right. right. I don't think, uh, Tommy is going to put Tyler in that position, but I do think if you're going to play him, uh, it should be a little early just to get Oklahoma State off balance, kind of that feel him out, sort of like a, a little right jab just to see what the defense will react to. And then I think majority of the game plan will be behind Jack and executing off of that. So based upon what you saw on film in Bedlam and also in the Big 12 championship game, how do you think Tommy Reese will go ahead and use Jack Cohn to attack the Oklahoma State defense? Um, I think to attack is the defense. Uh, <laughs> it's an interesting thing to think about because – with, with the way that Tyler runs, if anything, it would just be a physical uh, representation. You know what I mean? I think it would be putting Tyler in there when we're doing some power run. We want to wear on that defensive line, make him tackle, wear him down a little bit, and bring Jack Cohen back in to get some play action down the field, get him, uh, get him some time with Kevin Austin. I think our receivers, especially with Kevin Austin, is a matchup problem. Being that the height, I don't think they have anybody close to Kevin Austin's height, so that makes those one-on-one down the field uh, open. I think they're going to play aggressive knowing that we don't have a Lamar Jackson back there. So I think Kyron will be great with Tyler Buckner in there for establishing the run early. And yeah. then maybe Tyler get a trick play in there or something to uh, catch him off guard. Who do you think is going to end up being Jack Cohn's favorite receiver in this game? I think his favorite receiver in this game should be Michael Mayer. Yeah. I think if he wants to play it safe and go to his best bet, Michael Mayer in the middle of the field is still a matchup problem. I think through the season, teams have paid attention to him and been hurt in different ways by Kyron. I think Oklahoma State will really try to focus on minimizing Kyron, which will open up Michael Mayer, I think, especially when they start bringing some pressure on third down and playing that man like teams usually do when Jack's in the game. That one-on-one with Michael Mayer is going to be his best bet, and I think those 15 practices, they can really solidify that connection because I don't think it'll be as much Tyler. And, you know, in the beginning, obviously, of those 15 practices, you you get all the young guys in and stuff, but game planning-wise, I think they'll find a way to scheme up Michael Mayer more. Yeah, we thank for everybody that's joined us live. Don't forget, subscribe, share, like, hit the notification bell, let everybody know about the Lucky Lefty podcast on the YouTube channel and let them know that they can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lucky Lefty Pod. We are featuring and brought to you by Honora Whiskey. Go to honorawhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, and we're also featured by Fashion Geek. Yeah. Go to alonzojackson.com. Yeah. The link's in the comments in a few minutes. Go support 
fashion geek we run the city so we'll get to your comments and questions one of the things i wanted to talk about uh the defense that jack cone will be facing uh it's very interesting because notre dame is going to end up facing the same coordinator in the fiesta bowl and then the first game in the horseshoe as defensive coordinator at Oklahoma state jim Knowles was hired as the defensive coordinator new defensive coordinator at ohio state so Notre Dame is going to face him back-to-back games once to end this season and once to begin next season. Jim Knowles is all about girth up front, pass rush, likes his linebackers to be very aggressive, come downhill, and then very succinct and in tune in the secondary and doesn't like to give up big plays and take chances with his DBs. Yeah, this is a great matchup considering the, the two different type of athletes that Jim Knowles will be having with this game and next game. But the philosophy ch- uh, definitely doesn't change. So if anything, Marcus Freeman should look at it from a bigger picture of breaking down more of what the defense will. It will be more Tommy Reese breaking down more of what Jim Knowles' uh, philosophy is on defense with it being that he don't give up explosive plays and just what athletes he uses to make that happen. So yeah. uh, the difference will be the athletes that he uses to make it happen. And I think for him just to see some of his favorite calls in a two-minute drill and in tight situations will be called that he'll see again with just different players running it. So, uh, Tommy, this is a, you know, this is a kind of cat and mouse sort of uh, two-deal situation. Uh, they're both uh, huge games for the program. And I think for Tommy, even him being able to have a quarterback with Jack now and having a different quarterback next year with a focus, it's a lot of things that you can take from this particular matchup heading into next year. But I do think this year we have more talent than the defense they're going against. So some things that may be covered might just be open for us to make a play as well. Now, one of the things that Baylor was able to do with first time starting quarterback. Well, that was his second game. Yeah, first start, first start of the season in the Big 12 championship. He did come in, uh, I believe, at halftime of the last game. No, I'll take that back. He started the last game of the regular season for Baylor and then started his second game in the Big 12 championship quarterback, Blake Shapin. I was surprised at how under control he was he completed his first 19 passes, and what they used was a short, quick West Coast scheme. Got his ball, got the ball out of his hands very quickly, and it was the tight ends that really did a lot of damage against those linebackers that like to be nosy and aggressive and come up, and they got behind those linebackers with the tight ends for big plays, and then every now and then they would go downfield. The defensive backs for Oklahoma State, are uh, they like to grab. You know, Baylor was able to, man, induce, I think, four pass interference calls on deep passes when they took chances. So I think Notre Dame is going to have chances for big plays. I don't think anybody in their defensive backfield can run with Brayton Lindsey. I think you're going to have an opportunity to get Michael Mayer the ball and then Kevin Austin, like you said. We're going to see if he continues his trend. His last five games have been tremendous. And he's been much more consistent as the number one threat for the wide receivers of Notre Dame. Most definitely. And I'm just excited to see uh, the refreshing side of what the offense comes out on and from an energy standpoint. Yeah. Uh, I want to see the transitions on and off the field. You know, I want to see how we react to third downs and, and, and even being up or down in the game. These are the, the, the intangibles of the football game that I'm excited to see led by a Coach Freeman offense. I mean, let's led by a Coach Freeman-led team, but also have the comfortability of seeing what Jack in the offense puts out there. I think Kyron will have a big game. He's got to have a big game for us to establish anything down the field to give Kevin Austin and Michael Mayer a chance. Like you said, nobody is really covering Braden Lindsey, but if they're physical like that, I know Jack's going to at least not overthrow the receiver and maybe we can capitalize on some of those penalties as well. Yeah, so look for early on Tommy Reese to go to quick throws, very comfortable, take advantage of the linebackers, mid-range, 
and then second quarter be aggressive and go downfield. Heck, you Tommy might be aggressive from the jump, play action on the first play, then go over the top on a post route to Braden Lindsay or either just a fly route to Kevin Austin. I can see it really going both ways. And you might have to, too, because if a team is playing aggressive like that, you don't want them to set in their defense by thinking that they're they're knowing your, your process of run, run, pass. So to keep them off balance by taking a shot early is something that I would I would love to see. You know, it's a bowl game. You don't got nothing to lose. Yeah. Taking chances like that is probably the best bet. So I can't wait. When we talk about the defensive line of the Cowboys, we'll get into that matchup when we talk about the uh, offensive line, you know, they lead the nation. It's safe to say that one of the keys to the game will be the Notre Dame offensive line, keeping Jack Cohn clean, giving him time to throw, and to be able to take advantage of the mismatch that we do seemingly have at the skill position. So, um, yeah, we'll see how this offensive line comes along and if they continue to trend upward as they have since the middle of the season. Yeah, we just don't want to see a, a regression. Uh, maybe that's the first – game coming out for a bowl game. We don't definitely don't want to see regression. But with Jack not being a mobile quarterback, it does create an opportunity for Tommy to be able to use some more screens, maybe to get some more uh, blocking from Kyron because Kyron is a great, great blocking back. So keeping Jack safe is definitely probably the number one thing considering he's not mobile. So getting it out quick keeping Kyron in the backfield, but also Jack knowing that he's not the most mobile, getting the ball out fast, and just being a great decision maker. We know that Spencer Sanders is going to give us the ball at least some point throughout the game, but I'm trusting a fifth-year veteran and Jack Cohn that he'll just manage it. Just don't He won't do too much or too little. He'll keep it right there and not give the other team opportunities like Oklahoma State will give us. So we move over to the other side of the ball and to talk about what Spencer Sanders is going to be facing with Marcus Freeman and his defense, not just as a coordinator, he'll be the head coach and more than likely he's going to be making the calls in the Fiesta Bowl. If you look at what Baylor and Dave Aranda were able to do against Spencer Sanders, they were able to get him to throw three interceptions. I believe believe he had a, a forced fumble as well lost in the Big 12 championship game, and they mixed up coverages. Takes me back to post-game at the Virginia where Bronco Mendenhall really gave Marcus Freeman a lot of credit for how he devised the plan to confuse their freshman quarterback at the time. And he said it wasn't that people weren't open, but the different looks they give you at the line and in the secondary and working together it makes you hold the ball for a couple of extra seconds, and then their defensive line is really good and get home, and their blitzes with their linebackers. So when you see the confusion that Spencer Sanders suffered with or um, didn't handle well against Baylor, do you think Marcus Freeman does the same thing, or do you think Marcus Freeman is very comfortable just sitting back and just letting things play out? Well, I think Bronco Mendenhall was a just one of the only coaches to admit the truth. I think Marcus Freeman's probably been doing that the whole season. Yeah. It just took a guy like Bronco Mendenhall to keep it real. <laughs> so I do think that Marcus Freeman is going to get in his bag. He knows that the quarterback is going to give us the ball when you give him some confusing looks. So I don't expect that to change. I do, however, uh, want to see a better job of us limiting explosive plays. This is an Oklahoma State offense that does uh, get off the ball well and has some some exciting players that can make plays down the field. So yeah. for us to just make Spencer Sanders indecisive, I think that's the goal for the going into this game. Make him indecisive, hold the ball a little bit longer, and we'll hit home on some of those creative blitzes that he schemes up with the linebackers. It was interesting because Spencer Sanders had been very comfortable. And, of course, he was without his starting running back in the Big 12 championship. I'm sure that will make a difference. He'll feel more comfortable having that piece of the running game to uh, go off and work into the play-action game. But you really saw him start to come apart, in my opinion, in Bedlam with the mistakes. And Oklahoma, who I wouldn't call a great defense, were able to get to him and cause him confusion and really rattle him. And then once they got to Dave Miranda's defense, which is all about 
you know, being succinct on the back end, being aggressive up front, but not knowing where the rush is going to come from uh, specifically. They drop linebackers. They drop defensive linemen. Marcus Freeman, we've seen him do the same thing. And honestly, without Cal Hamilton, one of the things that has gotten better is the tackling in the secondary. Yeah. So and I think you can appreciate that if the secondary is making tackles, it's going to extend drives to be longer than, than just three or four plays a drive. Yeah. You can push teams that have in long drives, 10 plus drive, 10 plus play drives. You can really make it hard for an offense to succinctly uh, or successfully succinct plays back to back. So uh, as long as we can extend drives, have a little bit that bend but don't break uh, mentality in this game. We're going to be able to see a lot of opportunities to turn the ball over, and for a guy like Spencer Sanders, you know it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to go against the Notre Dame defense for four quarters. We've seen quarterbacks that are potentially drafted like Sam Howe play well, but having four quarters going against a Marcus Freeman defense proves to be a pretty tough challenge. So if we can hit him early, uh, I think that'll rattle him enough to to uh, be anxious in the pocket and, and let the ball go sooner than he probably wants to and uh, give us some chances to uh, make some tackles. So a lot of it, I think the Oklahoma State offense is it knows he's turnover prone, so they're going to probably try to do as much as throwing it quick like Big 12 teams are accustomed to, yeah. throwing it out there, letting us tackle in space. But uh, hopefully we can come down, and if we can make those tackles in space and make it a second and eight instead of a second and four after throwing a screen, I think we'll have a great, great chance of uh, stopping them below 24 points. Uh, 24 points, without a doubt, I think is going to be very easy. Baylor kept them in the game with the mistakes they had in the second half. Baylor left so many points on the field that that game should have never come down to half a yard. And that's why it comes down to execution. you got to execute with a guy like Jack Cohen coming from a West Coast constant offense. Yeah. One thing he knows how to do is not mess it up. You know, he's not going to. Uh, try to do something out of the ordinary. He knows the situation in the game where he just has to continue to play safe and and just hand the ball off. You got 23 in the backfield. You got 87 right there in the middle of the field. You don't have to play Superman in this one to come out with a victory. All right. So once again, that has been our breakdown of the quarterbacks in the Fiesta Bowl. Spencer Sanders going up against Jack Cohn. Who will have the most passing yards in the game? I think Spencer Sanders will have the most because they'll be down and will be more balanced of an offense. And I think when they're down 10-plus points, they'll start throwing everything at us to try to get down the field. And I think with Marcus Freeman making it tough on that, you can get a lot underneath but not nothing deep. I think that'll help us uh, extend those yards like we talked about, and he'll just rack up yards, uh, empty calories as the game goes on. Who has the most turnovers, interceptions? Shoot, it just depends if. Uh, <laughs> so that's a flip of the coin. They get to hitting Jack early, and he's scrambling for his life. I think Oklahoma it State is two good defenses. Yeah, they'll they'll have some some chances at the football as well. That Jack is not, you know, Tom Brady necessarily. So uh, he can he can give the ball away sometimes, but I believe the offensive line will come through uh, enough to uh, give us a balanced look so we don't have to depend heavily on Jack not to throw it to the other team. But uh, Spencer Sanders is a a really hit or miss when it comes to that. So I think with a tough challenge like we'll present, I think we're a tougher defense than Baylor. Uh, So we'll give them some different looks. But I do think Spencer Sanders should have more turnovers. But, you know, Jack, Jack, you never know what Jack can give you someday. (laughs) And last but not least, who throws the more? Throws for more touchdowns. I think Jack will throw for three touchdowns. I think that'll be the number he has to get to and and let the players like Kyron get two or three. I think that'll put us in good position. But Jack with three touchdowns, would, and that's an honest game for the defense that we're playing. I don't think they're expecting Jack to have three, but if if he does have three, I think they're comfortable going across the field and shaking hands if Jack pulls it off. So uh, three is my number for Jack. And I think if Spencer Allen, I mean Spencer uh, Sanders has any chance of beating Notre Dame, he's going to have to have at least five touchdowns uh, and be a Superman out there because the rest of his team 
uh, will, will go off of him. You know, they, they'll go off his energy, and yeah. we can't even get that momentum. So, breaking news for the Notre Dame staff, uh, Brian Polian has accepted a position to go down and be special teams coordinator, special teams coach at LSU. They also got Frank Wilson, former uh, LSU coach, to resign from his head coaching position and to come back and to be the assistant head coach and head recruiter. And and a story that broke on The Athletic, Brody Miller uh, told a story about how Mike Elston actually flew to Baton Rouge. This is new information, that Mike Elston actually flew to Baton Rouge to meet with Brian Kelly before ultimately flying back to South Bend and telling him no. Well, you know, Coach Elston and Coach Kelly got a different kind of relationship. Uh, it's older than a Tommy and his relationship and the Marcus Freeman and Coach Kelly's relationship. And I really think Coach Elston went down there for closure. Uh, that's been his, his guy through thick and thin. He's kept, respect, yeah. he's kept Elston on staff times where maybe he shouldn't, maybe he should. Uh, it could have been a 50-50, but he stuck with Elston the most. And, you know, that's really um, – I think out of respect just for their relationship beyond football to at least give it an open conversation, you know? So uh, that's something I wouldn't expect from Tommy necessarily just because it's not as, as old as, as Elston's, but uh, it was something that Elston probably wanted closure on just so he could get an opportunity to step away under Kelly and, and see what he can do on his own. Yeah. What's up LL nation. This is the slant. This is our positional battle for the Fiesta Bowl. We're going to be doing each positional battle, team versus team. Tonight is the quarterback position, Jack Cohn and Tyler Buckner versus Spencer Sanders. Now, Mel Kuyper of ESPN.com released his new updated big board, and he also released his positional rankings. So you want to hear where some of these, uh, some of these guys at Notre Dame rank at their position? Yeah, Give it to me. We should no. be so running back, Kyron Williams comes in at number four. He's behind now. You know, I already know you're about to give me the screw face when I tell you the three running backs that are in front of him. And Notre Dame fans, be nice in the comments. All right. His number one running back is Brees Hall from Iowa State. His number two running back is Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State. And his number three running back is Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. You know, this is an odd year. I think Kyron, for the stage he plays on, deserves to be top three mm -hmm. or at least have an honorable mention in there for top three. But it's something that, you know, if he's considering a guy who has a lot of carries on him, I can see why it's not high on the board uh, just due to the amount of carries Kyron has had over the year. Yeah. Uh, but just from a production standpoint, it's hard to find a guy that was dependent on more than Kyron. I think Kenneth probably was dependent on a little bit more, but uh, Kenneth and Kyron probably in the same conversation when it comes to production. And yeah, honestly, I think I, think I would have had Kenneth and Kyron one too. Yeah. Because Brees Hall wasn't – he didn't live up to any of the hype. I mean, he had mm high -hmm. hopes coming into the season. And to have him as the number one running back, no, and I think Kyron has kind of been hurt by the offensive line early in the season with the dysfunction. But truly, if you look at, you know, his overall game, Kyron's probably one or two, should be one or two on this list. No, yeah, definitely. But, I, you know, it's hard to get love as a Notre Dame football player from the critics uh, just due to the history of, where we've been at in the playoff situation. So I think they just uh, not showing too much love yet, but Kyron still, I think NFL teams know the value of what Kyron has where, you know, this is just one guy's opinion, but NFL team sees the production Kyron's having. Oh, absolutely. In the run game and in the pass game. So let's go down. Now, this is a surprise. This is a surprise for me. You know, because with that, Kyron, you know, running backs are not really taken high in the draft. So you figure that Kyron would go between rounds two and four. You know, if he was the number one running back, more likely middle of round two, 
high round two. Round three, yeah. Yeah, it depends on his his work his workouts and the combine. I still see Kyron second, third round. And if you can get a second, third round grade, I expect Kyron to go to yeah. the draft. I really do. And the running back room is stacked. So Notre Dame won't be lacking. You know. Yeah, it's kind of the same situation uh that's 14, except I think 14 will be playing if he wasn't didn't get hurt early either. Yeah. Well, so for for Kyron, he's no different. It's just he's available more than fourteen is at this point. But Kyron definitely deserves to graduate from that room, considering we got a lot of up and comings that you know deserve a shot. You know, I think yeah. Kyron's not that he couldn't come back or shouldn't come back, but I think he's graduated from this level to get a chance to make some money. Let's go to a position that uh, your favorite guys on the field, and that's the wide receivers. A Notre, Dame, a Notre Dame guy actually came in 10th on this list, and that's Kevin Austin Jr. I was actually surprised, man, because I, in my mind, Kevin Austin Jr. should just come back to school. And I know he's dealt with injuries, and I know that might definitely influence his decision depending upon the grade he gets from NFL scouts. But he comes in as 10th, 10th best is in his position. Now, this is the crazy thing. He's tied with somebody that I thought – had a more consistent and better season, and that's Purdue's David Bell. I just thought what David Bell did was better and more consistent than what Kevin Austin Jr. did this season. But scouts have him tied at number ten. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm a little. I'm, I think Kevin Austin's still a raw product. Him and Isaiah Foskey can definitely come back and fine tune uh, their their talent, and I think that's just something that they should should consider. If yeah. they want to have longevity in the league, I think going into the league early for a guy like Kevin Austin, it'll eat him up because he's not as technical as, you know, some of the other guys that are going into the league. You know, at least a guy like Jerry Judy had technical routes. So his transition and understanding to the league was a little easier than a guy that's just strictly raw talented. Yeah, I think that when, the more we've seen uh, – guys like Des Bryant type, you know, guys that just make plays and are big and physical, they've struggled and, and they've gotten better as the years have gone on and they haven't been a sudden, sudden impact just because the league has advanced so much. And I think Kevin Austin uh, can definitely benefit more from coming back for another year, fine-tuning some of the things and just hoping that the offense will allow him to develop. I think he's he was kept on a very – uh, skinny diet when it comes to the, the things he was asked to do at the receiver position and he'll be asked to do more at the next level that I think he's still raw at. Yeah. So for him to be 10, I think it's 10 based off of just talent alone. But in a fast-paced league, we're seeing guys like Miles Boykins who was a raw talent. I mean, popped with a 4-4. He got the physical tools, but you know, when it comes to getting open, it looks like a little bit of a struggle due to his size and just development it takes to get there. And he definitely wasn't getting that at Notre Dame at the time. So right. it just takes a little to develop. And I think for a guy like Kevin Austin, he would he can recognize that and get that better for the next season. Man, this is a fantastic story. When I go, I'm just gonna give you the top 10, all right, and just get your thoughts. Cause I'm sure you're gonna say, man, I think guys should be at different spots. This is a loaded. This is a great year for wide receivers if you're looking for oh, yeah. wide receivers in the NFL. Like, real talk. Like, I'm talking about first through the third round. Man, you got some game breakers. Game breakers. Look, this kid transfers from Ohio State. Transfers because he can't get on the field. And ends up the number one overall receiver, Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Number two, our guy got injured. We love his versatility. Outside, big plays. He runs every route in the route tree. Short, intermediate, deep ball. Drake London was a beast before he got injured for USC. Then number three, another guy that was injured on and off this season. When he returned back to the lineup, uh, I believe that Purdue game, he just took off. And that's Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. Me, my guy that I talked about all season, underrated. Jahan Dotson from Penn State. Yeah. He just he's all he's always open. Great route runner. 
take the top off the ball. Number five, Chris Olave. Just the ultimate deep threat down there for C.J. Stroud and Ryan Day. There you have Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Traylon Burks put on a show against Alabama when they went to Tuscaloosa. Like, man, he ran through that secondary the entire game. He's a big physical receiver, and he's fast. That that might be a sleeper pick for someone. George Pickens is coming off that knee injury. Right about now, he's probably at about, what, 80 85%. And more than likely, I don't think he chances coming back for another season of college football. Just go ahead, rehab, get yourself in order, let the team doctors check you out, and allow somebody to grab you probably in the third or fourth round. And then by the by his second season in the NFL, he'd probably be really ready to go and up to speed. He might be ready the first season. Coming in number eight, another unfortunate injury in the SEC championship game, John Mechie, who's the second receiver in that one-two combination for Nick Saban. John Mechie, the third. Um, feel sorry for the kid. He had a really, I'm sure he was going to receive a really high grade. And now more than likely he's going to slip a little bit, but somebody's going to believe in the talent and take a chance because he's the technician. James yeah. Williams is the speed. John Mechie is the technician and the route runner. And if he can, you know, get back healthy and get his knee back in order, they love technicians like that in the NFL that know know how to run routes like Keenan Allen for the Chargers. And that's right. And I think those are those are all top guys that deserve to be where they are. That's still even a tough list because you can all interchange and swap yeah. based on just opinion because you could you're not gonna lose with any of those guys that you're picking, all of them have different strengths and things. But, I mean, you talk about winners. These guys are really, really good. So for Kevin Austin to be in a, in a, a list like that, it's, it says a lot. You know, it speaks a lot to his talent. Uh, he shouldn't feel ashamed that he's 10 only because, I mean, those other nine are really good. You know what yeah. I mean? Been Facts. Been receiver a little longer. Facts. So, uh, I think Matter for him to – to look at that group and, and just evaluate yourself to the group. I yeah. don't think that uh, he could really jump anybody in that list. Not no. that, yeah, not that he's, you know, it's just those guys are really good. So I yeah. do think uh, seeing that should be a, a a challenge for him to work on his game coming into next year, get some more money, be evaluated a little higher, and, and, and really prove that, you know, this is something that you would want to be a part of with a Marcus Freeman. I think he would set a great precedent incoming back for the, the how the team should move forward next year coming in at number nine right in front of kevin austin and david bell from purdue is alec pierce from cincinnati yeah four local kid here from the suburbs of chicago um deceptive speed long jump ball big target in the red zone Might yeah like another another well. stud like these guys are yeah, yeah, that's a great receiver class. So I don't think an NFL team are going to be uh, like a receiver draft, especially, I mean, you know, they're picking from fish in a barrel. It's like, man, we just grab one run with it. We can do yeah. it. They're all kind of similar, but not really, and they're all really good. So uh, I think a team would take a chance if he came out this year, but I think he has a chance of making more money coming out next year. Yeah. I definitely think he can get to like at least top five. Yeah. For another season. I would really have to dig deep into the, the rest of the wide receiver crop that'll be coming back coming out next year. But more than likely it's best for him, Kevin Austin, especially if he feels good having a full season being healthy. If he yeah. feels good with his body, he should indeed return. Uh man, for the first time in three straight positions. Tight end, offensive tackle, and guard. Notre Dame, who always has somebody <laughs> in the top ten in those positions as far as draft rankings. No one. No one at tight end, offensive tackle, and guard. Of course, that's understandable. However, the number two center on Mel Kuyper's draft board is Jared Patterson from Notre Dame. Red Shirt Jr. has an opportunity to come back. But when you're the number two center on the draft board, more than likely, he's gone, as Hawk Harrelson would say. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he had the accolades going into the season, and he's been, you know, pretty consistent. With some of those guys that, like, you know, Kuyper, they want to be right about their beginning of the year preseason picks. So I'm not surprised that he's still in the top five. But, you know, he's still a really good player. So I think, you know, it's hard to evaluate centers considering uh, it's such a unit thing throughout the season. But considering that the O-line has progressed under his leadership, uh, you know, it's no surprise that he's ranked as high as he is. Yo, I think the hot dude, you talk about depth and by position, the wide receivers are deep. And the next position, defensive ends, some studs coming out this year, my brother. If you mm-hmm. need some pass rushers and some pass catchers, 2022 NFL draft is the year. I mean, of course, no one from Notre Dame at defensive end. But you got Aiden Hutchinson. You got Kayvon Thibodeau. The fact that Aiden Hutchinson is ranked number one, that's just from a stat standpoint. Yeah, I do believe yeah, once, gonna, once they get to the workouts, yeah, once they get to the workouts, Kayvon Thibodeau will probably show and separate himself. You got George Karloftis from Purdue, Cameron Thomas from San Diego State, who's a sleeper, Trayvon Walker from Georgia, Sam Williams from Ole Miss, Jermaine Johnson, who we saw – First game of the year, disruptor, the transfer into Florida State. He's definitely at number seven. If he's number seven on the list. It's a great class. That's a great class. Uh, uh, Majai Sanders from Cincinnati. We saw him and how good he can be. He comes in at number eight. Number nine, Michael Clemens from Texas A&M. And number 10, Tide, Ohio State, Zach Harrison, and Josh Paschal. Josh Paschal, for me, is your prototypical 4-3 defensive end, man. He can give you speed. He can change it up. He can give you power. And he can set the edge. I really like Josh Paschal out of Kentucky. Defensive tackles, I mean, it's kind of thin when you look at it. But I want to go over here to the outside linebackers because that connects to Notre Dame. Coming in at number six for the outside linebackers is Notre Dame's Isaiah Foskey. If you're sixth on that list and three, four teams, you're specifically probably going to teams that have played at three, four. So now that lessens the pool of teams that will want you and your number six on the list might be more advantageous for you to come back another year. And get yeah, it's just that you six on a, on a list that it's like, you know, you can, you can fall deep down if you aren't paying attention. So, yeah, I think as an overall player, he can increase his draft stock by coming back. He can he can increase it tremendously. I, I think it will be bigger than just six best outside linebacker. I think he can become a a top first round player. Yeah, uh, with an impactful season next year. I'm gonna be honest with you. Everybody we named, as far as Notre Dame, I think they all. Seriously, because of what's going on right now with the hiring of Marcus Freeman and just the vibe around the program, I think they all seriously consider coming back. There's no need to talk about the safety position. We know who's number one. We- but I do think this is a unique opportunity. Guys are really feeling spirited with this hire. Uh, but let's not get it confused, guys. Go yeah. out there and get your money. Marcus Freeman has got his money, so, you know, he gonna advise you to get your money. <laughs> As a player, you keep you're keeping it real. Like the vibe is one thing, and yeah, you might want to be around your guys and play with your guys for one more season. But when you know when you get that phone call from scouts and they're like, "Hey, you're number two and you're number one on certain boards." Like if you're the number one center, yeah, and somebody like says, "Man, we want to take you at the bottom of the first round." Yeah, don't don't play don't don't play with your career because you love the school. I mean, we all love the school, but you know, take care of yourself first. And I do yeah. think that uh, Jared Allen, don't I mean? Yeah, I'm sorry, Jared. Don't even don't even think twice about it. Go ahead, and, Jared Patterson. <laughs> yeah, Jared Patterson. If you love your school and what's going on, yeah, graduate from the program and allow them young boys to come in and get a, a full four years experience with Marcus Freeman. Uh, that's the that's the the thanks that you can give by leaving. You know, what I mean, it's not it's not like we are leaning in on you guys to come back for a senior leadership necessarily. 
Yeah. Uh, we got things covered. I think it's good for you guys to chase your dreams. And, you know, this is the Kelly air still with some of you guys. So, uh, you know, let that let that new tie, that new fresh car smell come in. And, uh, you know, it, it, it'll be good for everybody. Yeah. So it's crazy that you say that, right? Before we get to this big recruiting week and this big recruiting weekend coming up and tease the cutting room floor episode that you're going to be releasing that tomorrow morning on the Lucky Lefty podcast YouTube page. I want to play something from Jason Gallagher on Twitter. You saw the pump and circumstance and pageantry of Marcus Freeman and his introductory press conference at Notre Dame. Five stars. Thumbs up. However you want to describe it. It was top notch. USC tried to do the same thing with Lincoln Riley. And boy, oh boy, my friend, did it go wrong. This is from Jason Gallagher on Twitter with a mashup of Saturday Night Live. talk about that's not a good look usc that's a low budget copy of what Notre dame you know, it's kind of it's it just it just fits to the la the la hollywood style you know they, oh man it's I just, just, it's just pure, pure entertainment to the point where it's like we're beating you guys by 100 points next season but the cheerleaders out front they weren't even good. They weren't even synchronized. Hey, you know, when you got a lot of money to spend on cameras and stuff in LA, that's that's the best you can come up with because you run out of ideas. You know what I mean? And I like the Notre Dame keeps it classy. We set it up nice like a graduation, like your kids' kindergarten graduation where everybody's real proud and dress up real nice. Right, right. You know, this is a media project at school for for USC, and they uh, and it just shows that the, for the head coach to even be interested in that, that Marcus Freeman would never do that. And, that. and I think that's just the difference in personality. I think that's what Lincoln Riley wins with him recruiting, but oh, man. Marcus Freeman would be like, "I'm not doing this." He wouldn't give no Oscar <laughs> performance with that speech at a at a setup like that at USC. That's ridiculous. It's too much money out there at that campus, man, for that. Too much. Come on, man. Y'all couldn't splurge? No, they splurge too much. You're just on crazy stuff. <laughs> so let's talk about this. Go ahead and let everybody know the young man that you're going to be talking about that just received a big-time offer from the 2022 class. You're going to be dropping his cutting room floor tape tomorrow morning on the lucky lefty podcast tomorrow morning we're dropping our guy keon entringer keon entringer he's a do-it-all type of athlete he reminds me a little bit of harrison smith he's i don't know about the past coverage but when it comes to open field tackling and sideline and sideline speed the enhancement we were talking about marcus freeman adding to this defense this is a perfect perfect key because he's very very versatile you know, he's very, very versatile. So he's able to play many spots, safety, linebacker, hybrid, something that we're looking to do, especially with a bigger type of athlete like 14. That's been kind of the archetype for the recruiting class. And this is another one we'll be talking about tomorrow. So remember, dropping 8 o'clock a.m. Eastern time, Keon Entringer, the cutting room floor with Malik Zaire, where he breaks down the newest offer for the 2022 recruiting class for Notre Dame.
He can do it all. I've seen the film. Can't wait to see what Malik has to say about the young man. Man, Harrison Smith, that's 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 a tip of the cap. If that's the, the physical, physical, that's uh, the physical white guy coming downhill, man, I, it's, it's not too many to put in comparison, but he's definitely shown it. Well, you'll see tomorrow. He shows a lot of flashes that he's not afraid to make a tackle like your boy J.D. Bertrand. Oh, well, if he's always around the ball, that's a good thing. That means he plays with his hair on fire. So let's talk about this recruit weekend. As I said before, we know that um, head coach Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reeves got on the uh, plane immediately, two hours after his press conference. They went for the M-Home visit with Billy Schroff. All right. They also have talked to Xavier and Wonka, uh, Wonka, who is, has a decision, I think, coming up. Uh, it might be tomorrow. Might be his decision. I believe so. Uh, at this point in time, Notre Dame has a lot of, man, a lot of making up to do. He had an interview, I believe, on yesterday, and he said Marcus Freeman getting the job changed everything because basically Notre Dame was out of the picture. But Marcus Freeman being the head coach has changed things and made things a little bit more difficult, which goes to ask, like, what the heck happened? Like, <laughs> What what happened? Like, yo, now that Marcus Freeman is the head coach, like, oh, snap, let me think about this. But until that day. It just speaks to the personality of the head, of the head coach. You know, it became, instantly man. became a cooler pick, instantly became something you can relate to more, especially a place that's as prestigious as Notre Dame. Yeah, Having that face of a Marcus Freeman is a huge gateway to relatability for guys that are coming from all over to fit into a particular institution like Notre Dame where not everybody graduates, but it's because of the requirements and the different things that it takes. But if kids can see a guy like Marcus Freeman, young, yeah. you know, still look like he can play, running the show, I think a lot of kids' perception, we talked about a lot of perception when I was breakdown, but the perception is that he can do it I can do it too. It's not a lot of perception with that with Coach Kelly just because he's he's older to the point where you're like, man, you did this before I was even attempting to do it, and you don't look like you could do it at all. So uh, <laughs> yeah. definitely, definitely a difference in that, and it just shows one guy can really do a uh, 364 program. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like I said, his decision tomorrow, I know I and Kurt Ferris got the last in-home visit on today. So we'll see how things go, things go tomorrow. Hopefully Marcus Freeman made enough of an impression. We know the reports were to come out of his visit to Notre Dame that his mother was in love with the program. So, man, most of the predictions are it's either going to be Iowa or Ohio State, but we'll see if a last-ditch effort by Marcus Freeman and the staff can swing him or either delay the decision. Because he said Marcus Freeman being the head coach has made things more difficult. They got back in also on defensive lineman Anthony Lucas. They flew out to Chaparral High School to talk to the big defensive lineman. And he has not made a visit to campus. So that's the big issue. They want to get him on campus because this is a really big recruiting weekend. Notre Dame is taking advantage of the NCAA rule that says if there's a change at head coach, you are afforded an extra official visit for your recruits, commits, and those considering committing to your school. So pretty much every commit has said that they're going to be in South Bend this weekend. And Notre Dame's trying to get every recruit that hasn't committed to come in to make it one big weekend. Those of you that know, back in the day, it used to be banquet weekend was like the big weekend. Like, well, all the recruits came in, you had all of the older Notre Dame players there, the tradition, the prestige, and it would just make people want to commit on the spot. Notre Dame's trying to take, take advantage of this coaching change and do some of the same thing, some type, something like that this weekend in South Bend. So we'll see how it goes. Hell yeah. I mean, uh, this, is, this is just an opportunity to stack on the momentum of what the, the last couple of weeks have been with hiring and all the ceremonies and the, and the 
and the introduction. So you got to strike yeah. while the iron's hot. Yeah. Especially in this gap between us and the game and let the game cap off a great season and head into the, the, the next offseason. So once again, Keon Intringer, uh might be one of those guests this weekend in South Bend. He's out of the suburbs of Michigan, right outside of Detroit. Very interesting story. You know, his father, his stepfather is a professor at the University of Michigan. And a lot of people feel like Michigan has the upper hand and has the lead in that race. But according to reports, the Michigan staff really isn't pushing to make him a part of the class. So, you know, based upon the tape, be here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. We'll see whether or not you guys like the tape of Keon Entringer and see what Malik has to say on the cutting room floor. Well, so, if it's your stepdad, it couldn't be that much of a good relationship. We still got a chance. We still got a chance. You petty, bro. You petty. As we get ready, man, to let you guys go. And then we have an announcement before we get out of here. Let's get to some of these comments. Will Cloak says, if we blow out Oklahoma State, will Drew Pine, the people's champ, get any playing time? You know, this is uh, Coach Kelly's recruit, man. You know, I think Drew Pine is, is fit his role for for what, what was going on. But, you know, Marcus Freeman's going to bring in his guys and, and get a different people's champ. So I think, you know, if we blow him out by 50, yeah, I would love to see all our guys get in. But uh, I'm not looking for Drew Pine to try to save the day in this one. Hey, question. Drunk Vigo. Is that former Notre Dame quarterback Malik Zaire? It might be. It might be. It might be. We spending the difference, so it might be. <laughs> he also says if Notre Dame wins, let's see, the turnover battle, they win the game. Yeah, I think uh, turnover battle always determines the game, so yeah. hopefully we uh, – we end up on the brighter side of that. I think we'll we'll do a good job. We've never been a turnover killer team to be giving four or give away four of the game. So yeah, I think we'll stay on point with this one. Hey DBZ, good to see you back. What up though, LL Nation? What up though? DBZ checking in. We see everybody checking in for where you're at. Thank you for checking in. Don't forget to subscribe, share, like, become a part of LL Nation. Anytime you talk about us on Twitter or Instagram, don't forget the hashtag LL Nation. Uh, let's see. A lot of people want to wish Brian Polian and his family the best of luck as they go down to LSU. Yes, you know what? I am interested in seeing who Marcus Freeman, Brian Kahn says, maybe we can get a special teams coach that can coach how to set up for a punt or kick return. Yeah, it's been a long time since we had excitement in that unit. You know, Notre Dame was, I mean, punt return touchdown, kick return touchdown for a long time was synonymous with Notre Dame. We haven't had that vibe in a long time. So really haven't had that that vibe since George Atkinson, I would probably say. Yeah, I mean, everything is, is, is trending up to the way we want it to be. So I'm just yeah. excited to see it. Everything that's going to come out of this hire, yeah. out of this recruiting season, and that spring game is going to be is going to be where it's at. Thanks, Matt. Altenberger, Brees Hall can't hold Kyron's jock strap. I mean, you're probably right. I mean, Bobby, we agree. We agree. Kyron should be one or two on that list. And Kenneth Walker the third is the only person that I would even like have a conversation about. Um, right. Anthony Solomon, if Kyra can get to the second contract, he would get life-changing money. Well, the quickest way to get to the second contract is to go ahead and get the first one. Straight up. That's that's real talk. All right. Anthony Solomon also wants to know, or oh, he says he'll he believes Tyler will get a lot of playing time in the Fiesta Bowl. Shoot, I mean, you know, I would love, like I said, we we do our thing. I would love to see all our guys get in. It's a bowl game, so it's one of those everybody gotta gotta have fun type of deals. Yeah, uh, this statement here 
uh, I can't believe Dale might stay. You know what? I know where that's coming from. If you read the letter to Notre Dame and Notre Dame fans from Marcus Freeman that he released on the Players' Tribune, he's very adamant that he loves the coaching staff. And, like, they're really tight. And that's why he wanted to keep everything together. So everybody was excited about possibly, you know, Dale Alexander moving on. Yeah, man, you've seen him right next to Marcus Freeman on a lot of these trips recently to go and recruit. So I'm sure there will be other opportunities for Dale Alexander. And if he's not comfortable, you know, he 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 has the choice to take that opportunity elsewhere. But based upon what you read in that letter from Marcus Freeman, he, he's cool with Dale Alexander. And maybe he can light a fire under his butt. You know what I'm saying? Maybe the CEO like Brian Kelly being the head coach, you know, everybody else can feels like they can chill too. But when you have somebody like Marcus Freeman as the head coach, that's going to hold you accountable. Like, yo, what you doing? Did you call this dude? Have you talked to this guy? Have you talked to this recruit? You might get a different outcome from Dale Alexander under Marcus Freeman. Yeah. It's all about the energy he's bringing to the game. And Marcus yeah. Freeman is, is bringing that energy that everybody wants to be included in it. And, you know, sometimes it's all, that's all you need to really feel like the place can change. And it's not so much, you got to go somewhere different, but just stick it through and enjoy what's going on. So a lot of people responded to that, that spoof we played of house, you know, mix and match up a Saturday night live in the USC Press conference from Lincoln Riley, Sean Pilot says. That was hilarious. Shout out to you, Sean. Thank you for being a part of LL Nation. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and like, hit that notification bell. Uh, Will's like, did that actually happen? Yeah, I mean, great production. We put we actually did put the uh, link to that Twitter post. In the chat. In the chat. There it is. So it's in the chat. Go check it out. Matt Altberg said that band made me feel uncomfortable. The whole situation, man, was uncomfortable. Uh, everybody's talking about the Freeman factor, trying to get back in on Xavier Wumpka and also Anthony Lucas. Yeah, we hope the Freeman factor does indeed take effect. And this recruiting weekend ends up being a massive one, a massive success for Notre Dame. I think that's it, bro. That's it. I think that's it. We got some yeah, we did. You're right. Chris Tyree did return the kickoff against Wisconsin, but we didn't. There was no buzz. It wasn't like, no oh, man, I remember. you know, it just happened. Straight up. Yeah, it literally Look, this just happened. Is, this leads is great. I'm excited to do the breakdown of the, the keeping the fans informed of these recruits we got coming in because it's good to get up on them early. So then we know what we got coming in that's going to change the program for us moving forward. Hey, we got a, a bit of advice. Welling Jeremy. Welling Jeremy, I believe. He said, Malik, try a noise gate instead of compression. It'll make your audio sound much better. See, Shout I appreciate out. that, man. Hey, said, I'm keep, up, right. keep up the good work. See if that goes a little better. We'll see. <laughs> oh. It was an earlier question. I forget. I can't bring it up. I don't see it anymore. Someone asked, who were the other contenders besides Notre Dame for your services? Uh, Wisconsin, Alabama, Ohio State, and Pittsburgh were the ones I was really choosing from, but Notre Dame just pulled me away. Any reason? Was it oh, Brian? just because I mean, you know, was it black, Brian Kelly? Was it Brian Kelly that being a black quarterback, left-handed at Notre Dame? You really didn't find that too often. And if I could do half as decent, I know I could set up a career that's long-lasting. Yeah. So for everybody, I I encourage you to go read the letter if you're a Notre Dame fan on the Players Tribune from Marcus Freeman to Notre Dame and his fans. It's a fantastic read. Absolutely fantastic. And as I said before, he loves his coaches. He loves his coaches. And I believe the guys that eventually go with Brian Kelly, strictly because of the relationship, like you talked about with Mike Elston. He flew down there out of respect. 
of the relationship to meet with Brian Kelly and ultimately came back and said no. That's right. That's right. So that's it. This has been the Lucky Lucky podcast and our uh, combination, well, Fiesta Bowl comparison, positional comparison between Spencer Sanders and Jack Cohen and Tyler Buckner. Don't forget tomorrow morning at 8 8 a.m., new episode of The Cutting Room Floor with Malik Zaire. That's right. New 2022 recruit and offer Keon and Trinder out of the suburbs of Detroit. Should be pretty good. And uh, then our big announcement is that now you can have more of Lucky Lefty as starting Wednesday. No, I'm sorry, not starting Wednesday, starting Thursday because we're going to drop two things tomorrow morning. We'll start Thursday at 9 a.m. Make sure I say this right, bro. Is it 10 a.m. Eastern or 9 a.m. Eastern? 9 a.m. Eastern, show up. 9 a.m. Eastern. Every day, the Lucky Lucky Podcast will be live. 9 a.m. Eastern. Every day, you'll have more of Lucky Lefty. We spin it different. We'll be live right here on the Lucky Lefty YouTube channel. You can follow us at Lucky Lefty Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Sean Davis at SD2Mikes. He's Malik Zaire. Other way. He's Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. Brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com for that premium American whiskey. And, of course, Fashion Geek. Hit it up. AlonzoJackson.com. I'm putting the links in right now. I know you're asking for it. I know you're asking for it. So I'm typing in the links to both products that we're featuring. Norwhiskey.com and Fashion Geek. We run the city. I think that's it, bro. I All think right. that's it. Yeah, no, anything we need to touch on. Um, got all the questions. Yep. And <laughs> DBs, he says, "Hey, look, yes, we're really we're gonna really, be there. We're be really there. going to be there. We're really going to be there. And if it's a great show, then guess what? We'll come back and do something in the evening, especially if we have a special guest or uh, an interview. I will say this." For some of our matchups, especially for the wide receiver position, we will have a special guest with us, a former Notre Dame wide receiver that's going to be able to break down that uh, comparison with us. So from my guy Malik Zaire, I'm Sean Davis. Don't forget, be right here at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning to break down the cutting floor, Dion and Tringer, and We'll see if we man. Let us know if you want us to do something tomorrow. Hopefully, if it's breaking news, maybe we'll have to do a show tomorrow night. That's right. Hey, we're gonna give it to you just how y'all like it. Keep subscribing, keep sharing, keep commenting. No doubt. We spend it different. Lucky Lucky Podcast, man. Sleep well.